Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This is the 74th season of Knicks basketball. Over that time, they've played over 6,000 games. This is the first time they've lost back-to-back games by over 30 points. That's that courtesy of Tommy Beer. And because of it, Alex, I don't really want to talk about the game. So you had the brilliant idea to do a mailbag, and we're going to do that. Uh, join us for this mailbag. I'm going to call this like a tweet thread part one out of... X because we're not sure how many episodes this is going to take. Could be two, could be three. We could just record an intro after, but it's way more fun if there's mystery and intrigue because we got to keep you around. But in this first episode, for sure, we're going to talk about uh, Julius Randle versus Amari Stoudemire, whether we get pedicures and various other things next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. This is all rebound, back up off the glass. It's good. Brings the next one What he does is contagious. Robinson with a catch and slam. Across the lane. Knocks foul from behind. Count it and one. As Fisting pumps his fist. Becomes infectious. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Schalt across the river. Alex, I'm literally out my window looking across the Hudson right now directly at you, and you have a sad look in your eyes. It's uh, Alex Wolf, and uh, the reason for that look is what we just mentioned in our intro. The Knicks were ran for the second straight game, falling 129-92 to to the Nuggets. I watched at least half of it. I took some notes I don't really want to talk about them, Alex. I want to. I just kind of want to get into this mailbag, this impromptu mailbag we're doing tonight. Yeah, I just can't believe that David Fisdale made it to the to the post game presser podium. Um, that's my only feedback there, because um, I would have fired him on the spot after this one because it was embarrassing. So embarrassing, in fact, that like you said, we're going to do a mailbag. Uh, so we'll hop into our first question. We're going to just jump right into it. Uh, we got this one comes from Paul, and he's at Gax Sezu. I never quite know how to say that, uh, but it's G A X S E Z U. Goes by Gax on PNT, posting and toasting. So shouts to Gax. Uh, he's been a longtime commenter there. He says, if you swap out Randall for Amari, would this team be better or worse? Presume he's healthy for this discussion. Gavin, if I may lead off, can I can I lead off this one? Please, please. Okay, I actually, uh, I'm going to say that the team would be just as bad off, um, unfortunately. I think Amari's for sure a better player than Julius Randle, but the problem would be how they're being used. And so if you literally just subbed out Randle for Amari on this team, you'd have Fizdale trying to, you know, make Amari do the same things that he's having Randle do right now. Granted, you might run into a little more um, player opposition from Amari, if you told him to, you know, ISO and, you know, try to create from the three-point line and all this other crap that he has Randall doing that Randall seems more than happy to do on some nights, uh, Amari would probably not be about that. And at a certain point, he would literally just start setting picks, whether they're called or not, because pick and roll and pick and pop was Amari's game for, like, his whole career. Uh, but I, I don't think necessarily that it would help the Knicks, unfortunately, even if he was at his beginning of 2010-11 peak form. I mean, I guess you could say, like, 
there were times in that first season where Amari did actually have MVP level. I, I mean, there was definitely like MVP level play coming from him, but most of it was generated from, you know, pick and roll with Raymond Felton. Uh, but, you know, he at least had that, that clutch gene where you could trust him to, uh, take and make, you know, the big shot and stuff like that. Like there was that famous one that he, if they had set the clock properly, he could have got off against Boston. Um, that would have won the game there and stuff like that. So maybe that wins the next one or two more games and we're maybe one or two games better. But I think overall season outlook, I don't think Omari's changing things too much because of the coaching and because of the role that he would be thrust into, much like Julius Randle, an elite pick-and-roll threat is being thrust into right now. Did, did you know, this is off topic, but he was supposed to be the star of the Righteous Gemstones, and I think because it was delayed filming so long and they wanted him to shave his head for some reason, he refused to do that. It ended up being KG. Huh. I don't know. I never did know that. Fun, fun fact. Uh, that, that's what I'm, yeah. Uh, I guess, I guess for this question, um, I, I were, I mean, this was your presumption. We're supposed to assume this was like first 40 games of that, of his first season as a Nick. Um, and if you, if you assume that, I would, I'd actually disagree with you. I think they, not significantly better just because the supporting cast is so bad and the defense would still be horrible, but, I think they'd be a much better team with Amari. Like, he was just shooting the ball so well that season. He can, and he was just, I mean, even at that point when he was, yeah, I would say he's still a little bit past his athletic prime over those first 40 games as a Nick, but he's just so much more talented and, and skillful than Randall. I think he's better operating as an offensive fulcrum, and I get what you're saying, that he's he's not a facilitator by any means, so if Fizdale asked him to do exactly what he's been asking Randall to do, that wouldn't work out that well. I, I would hope that Fizdale would adjust at least a little bit, because um, like Amari was, at least as far as I remember, never even really close to the same level of passer as what Randall has shown, um, and, and just build the offense around his strengths. And I think by doing that, you could sort of surround him with, and, and maybe Fizdale isn't smart enough for this, but a defensive lineup, um, one with uh, Frank, um, RJ, Marcus Morris, and Mitch, which I guess is essentially the starting lineup right now. So not that much would be different on that front. But I just think if you could just throw out enough good defenders around Amari, you have not not a great team by any means, but not a total shit show like this team is. I, I think they would have won at least like eight or nine games by now. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't really see it. I, I guess it just depends on how much Amari would be willing to throw away what Fizdale was trying to get him to do because I feel like Fizdale would try. My thing is I just think that Fizdale would try to put him in that same role that he has Randall in and try to, make him do too much and not put him in a situation to succeed. Like, like for example, I think if you took Julius Randle, present day right now Julius Randle, and put him on the 2010-11 Knicks instead of Amari with D'Antoni as his coach, he'd, he wouldn't be as good as Amari. But, it, I mean, obviously, because Amari, like, then was phenomenal. But I think that he would be putting up much better numbers, have a better shooting percentage, be uh, used a lot better, just because D'Antoni would know, okay, this guy is an elite pick-and-roll threat, so we're going to pick-and-roll him to death, and that's what we're going to do. Um, I, I guess that's just my general thought on it. It's, it comes down to coaching, and I think I think if we've established one thing on the show over the last few weeks, and even with our splintered uh, episodes where we haven't been crossing paths as much, even before you know this past week where we weren't on together as much, we were already like, 
Fisdale's coaching has got to go, and that's the problem. So until there was a change in coaching, I don't think even Amari would be able to save the team at this point, but that might just be me. All right, our uh, next question uh, comes from Daniel at Daniel M2K2020, and he asks, what are our thoughts on Mark Jackson? Uh, what are our thoughts on Mark Jackson, Alex? Well, first off, I want to just acknowledge that I'm pretty sure that this is a troll question by Daniel because he knows my thoughts on Mark Jackson from Twitter. Um, I have a semi-famous Mark Jackson thread on Twitter. I don't, I don't really care to read it all on here just cause it's, it's literally like 23 items long, I think. Um, there's quite a bit of reasons I don't want Mark Jackson coaching the Knicks, uh, Mostly, I mean, there's there's personal reasons and basketball reasons. Um, the personal reasons are he has a, a really bad history of alienating players, turning them against each other all the way back to his um, his playing days, and he used those tactics with the Warriors when he was with them, um, according to a ton of reports. Um, he also just, I don't know, annoys me. On top of everything else, um, and I mean, if you look at some of the, if you look at some of the the numbers associated with his teams as well, one of the stats that stood out to me was that the Warriors, the last year that he coached them, were dead last in passes per game, which sounds awfully familiar to the Knicks that can't get you know more than eight assists and a half right now. So he's he would not be a solution to anything. I don't want to bring him on. I don't like him. So that's my thoughts on Mark Jackson. I just want to, this is completely off topic, but I want to throw out a correction for last segment. I think I might have accidentally said Righteous Gemstones, the movie's Uncut Gems. Righteous Gemstones is an excellent show on HBO. I'd encourage everyone to check out. Uh, but, yeah, Mark Jackson is trash. Um, didn't he, he – he was secretly recording Brian Scalabrini. Wasn't, wasn't that a thing? He's just, like, a lunatic. Like, he's, he's legitimately yeah. out of his mind, <laughs> like, with paranoia. He hired Brian Scalabrini yeah. and then, like, forcefully fired him. Like – and and forcefully fired like half his staff if I remember right because they were like recording him during team meetings and stuff because he was like a lunatic. Yeah, noted. Um, I think he's like incredibly religious and like also cheated on his wife with a stripper, which isn't related to basketball. But I mean, just seems like kind of a hypocrite in general. So I, I'm I'm not fond. I'm not fond of Mark Jackson to be fair. All right, uh, our next question, so yeah, I wouldn't, would not want him as the Knicks coach or really associated with the team in any way, more than he already is. Uh, next question comes from, uh, China, uh, with a title. It's actually pronounced, it's actually pronounced China. She's oh. the writer for PNT. But you would have no way of knowing that. My otherwise. <laughs> China and, uh, Chiniqua, I think yeah, is the handle. Correct. Perfect. Okay, one for two ain't bad. Um, do you ever get pedicures? Uh, I don't. I would love one. Uh, do you, Alex? I actually have never got one, but I'm not close-minded to it. Um, I do do face masks at home, like as far as a self-care regimen. My wife and I will do uh, either the peel-off ones or the uh, the sheet masks. You know, I'll do those from time to time. Um, I've never gotten a pedicure or a manicure. I mean, mostly because I actually, I mean, I don't, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I have pretty nice hands. So, I mean, I moisturize during the winter. That's that's a complete necessity for me because I get very uh, dry hands. 
But in general, they're pretty good. Like, the skin's pretty solid. Like, I don't do anything fancy with my nails. So I really feel a need to get, like, manicures. My, I mean, by proxy, my feet are pretty decent, too. I guess it's just, like, a, a need thing. But, like, I do want to, at some point, go and get, like, the full, like, bath and scrub and all that stuff on my feet and whatever. I think that would be nice. I just haven't gotten any yet. But, like, I do think there's a certain, like gender stigma that's starting to get removed from that sort of stuff too which is nice like i don't think any guy would have like thought about getting a pedicure like i don't know like 20 years ago because it'd be like oh that's a chick thing but like i've thought about it i've been like you know what maybe i will but it's it's like a cost versus uh benefit sort of thing where i'm like do i really want to go spend like 30 dollars to go get this like foot peel done when like my feet are pretty good as it is and usually the answer is no but Someday. I will. It's like a bucket list item. I want to get a pedicure someday. I think we should do a live episode while both getting uh, Manny Petties done. We need to we need to find the highest reviewed uh nail salon on Yelp sure. in the city. And then see if we can work out some sort of cross promotion deal where we do a live read for them in exchange for like their like grade A pedicure. I think that would be a pretty solid deal. And then we could do a live pod like <laughs> from the from the seat while we're getting it done. Yeah, you know, I don't think we've we've really leveraged leveraged the podcast enough. That that's I know I know we're joking about this, but legitimately a great idea on your do, part. Do you, I would, <laughs> we could go up to them with our sales pitch, be like, "Do you guys want to break down gender <laughs> barriers and 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 uh, reach out to the eighteen to forty four <laughs> male demographic because we have the podcast for you." Oh I think we could, I think we could get this done. I think Just it could ter- work. <laughs> terrify them. All right, <laughs> come in with a contract in hand, ready to go. And 97% male audience, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to take our first break. But first, just a quick reminder, today's show is brought to you in part by Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial today. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA. That's audible.com slash locked on NBA. And if you're listening on the go and you can't visit Audible right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Are you the type of basketball fan that knows the sport so well you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash. Between football season, the NBA, and the start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and get into the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you're tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain, my bookie wants you to get your mind off of everything and get back into it. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to a thousand dollars. That means if you deposit two thousand, you get an extra one thousand in free money to play with. Just use promo code Locked On MBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code Locked On MBA to take advantage of my bookie's generous sign-up offer. All you have to do is visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win. Guess what? You get paid. <laughs> it sounds uh, like a good one to me. Uh, all right, we'll move to our next question. This one comes from Ted at Vive La Franc. And uh, Ted asks, where does this Knicks team rank against other – well, there's, so there's two questions. There's one that's a little more serious, a little more – and then another that's a little more um, uh, silly. 
because I ask for silly questions because I'm over all this talking about the Knicks as if they're serious and matter crap. Um, first question is, where does this Knicks team rank against other terrible Knicks teams and or other historically bad teams from across the NBA, like the 2012 Bobcats and the 2016 76ers? Um, short and sweet for me on this one, I don't think that they're at nearly as bad as those teams on paper. Um, I think those teams were designed to tank and had a real lack of talent, um, especially like the the 16 Sixers. Um, and, and I mean, I guess you can say the 2012 Bobcats too. I mean, they both were they were severely lacking in young talent on the roster too. Like those were teams that were just starting their rebuild that didn't have that lottery pick yet, like on the roster that they could count on, um, you know, to actually help them. Whereas the Knicks have this roster that's actually loaded with, you know, recent lottery picks and a bunch of guys they spent a decent amount of money on. They're just not being played in a way that complements their skill sets at all. And of course there's also roster fit, um, issues, but I really think it's mostly how they're being coached, how the rotations are being deployed, the play calling, the defense. I mean, there's a, a laundry list of things, but I really, I think like on paper, this is not a team that should be as bad as it is. Um, so that's kind of my main opinion there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. the 2012 Bodcats. I'm looking at the roster right now. They they were off. I mean, they had they had rookie Kemba, and obviously, I mean, he's probably like a better talent slash prospect than anything. The Knicks have on their roster. At that time, he didn't look like it. At that time, yeah, he looked yeah. like an undersized guard who was shooting like thirty-five percent from the floor. Like he yeah, was, no, he sucked. He, yeah. he could have been Dennis Smith Jr. for all it mattered back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh God. Um, and, but was, people people I, compared DSJ to Kemba over the off season. Right. And like, that was I, a big thing. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, the the rest of the team it doesn't even matter because it's Akeem Warwick, uh, Eduardo Nahara, Gerald Henderson before he was even decent, Brendan Hayward, uh, Desanga Jop, who I was a big fan of as a backup center in NBA Live, uh, Jamario Moon. Uh, shout out to him was on that team. A young Bismack Biombo. It wasn't great, is the point. Twenty sixteen Sixers are actually a little bit better in terms of overall talent, but they were just so young that uh, I, I yeah I, I kind of agree with you. I think the Knicks like on paper are definitely the best of all those teams, the way they're falling apart right now. Like if, if they were to play today, I, I think probably pretty even games. I don't think the Knicks are in a very good place, but um, in general, the Knicks quite a bit better than both those teams. I'm, I, I kind of want to get into the second part of, of this question uh, that because it's space jam based and that uh, is my all time favorite movie. Um, he said, Alex, you threw out the first one of this. Could the Knicks starters beat a lineup of Muggsy Bogues, uh, LJ, Charles Barkley, Pat Ewing, and uh, I think, was it Sean, Sean Bradley? Bradley? Sean Bradley, who's really tall, after the Monstars had taken their town. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anybody could. You and I could beat them. I mean, they were clueless. That was the whole point. Like, like I forget. I think it was Muggsy. They showed, like, didn't even know how to dribble a basketball anymore. Like Bradley and Ewing and Barkley and LJ couldn't even jump anymore and stuff. Like they couldn't they couldn't perform a point blank open layup. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I, I think I, I think you and I and three other people could beat them if it came down to it. Um, I don't think that the Knicks would have any problem with that. But I, I do you have any other opinion on that? 
No, I'm I'm with you. I'm, I'm more interested in the second part of this yeah, question. Yeah, I was gonna say is, let's go to the second part. The second part of Ted's question is also, do you think the Knicks could beat the Looney Tunes without MJ and his secret stuff? This will probably get a little more controversial. You can yeah. I'm I'm gonna say no. Lola Bunny was a murderer. <laughs> she was she was just a monster. Really really good. And then the rest of the team can just sort of pull stuff out of their ass, like Elmer Fudd. Or who who was it who was just like flat out like shooting people like into like the second half? Yosemite Sam probably. Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, that yeah. would that would be an issue. I mean, I, as talented as as RJ and Frank are, they are susceptible to bullets. So uh, that would be that would be a concern on my part. And yeah, you know, I, I'm generally when when two teams are fairly evenly matched as these two are, I, I tend to go with the best player on the floor, and I think I think that's Lola Bunny. So I would I would go with the Looney Tunes. Nah, see, I'm going I'm going with the Knicks because. Here's the thing, like, without MJ, they're screwed. Like, they, they, they would have gotten totally annihilated by the Monstars, first off. Like, so that's the first thing. But, like, you know, not even saying the Knicks are as good as the Monstars, but, like, MJ by himself basically beat the Monstars. Like, the Looney Tunes didn't do that much to, you know, contribute to that. Um, but then, on top of that, like, without the secret stuff, like, without Jordan giving them or uh, or bugs rather giving them the placebo to make them think that they're better than they were the Knicks like would probably go out on one of their nice little early runs in this game and then like the Looney Tunes showed even more so than the Knicks to have a real um uh like ability to get you know downtrodden early in the game if they were not doing well and let it affect them because they let that affect them going into halftime against the Monstars. And without the placebo given to them of, you know, Michael Jordan's magic water um, or secret stuff, you know, whatever. It was, I think it was just supposed to be water, I think. I don't know. Yeah. But whatever it was, you know, like without that, they wouldn't have had any confidence in the second half. So if the Knicks could get off on an early run, it's all in the books, especially because they don't have Jordan. So I think the Knicks would beat them. I think that pretty much any NBA team would beat them without Michael Jordan. That's just my take. Well, you know what? We gotta we gotta set the scrimmage up and and see if we can. We should tell David Fisdale his job is is on the line and he has to beat the Looney Tunes. Yes. And you know, <laughs> I I don't know I don't know if he could do it. All right. Um. And, next. And part. if David Fisdale doesn't beat the Looney Tunes, he has to go to an interstellar amusement park and entertain everybody for the rest of his life, just like the Looney Tunes deal. Do you I remember? Think that's the South deal. Do you remember uh, what it was called? No, it was no. I forget. I'm looking it up right now because I'm thinking of it and it's killing me. It's I, been I a while. Say, it was like Moron Planet Moron or oh, something. Moron Mountain. That's what it Moron was. Mountain. Moron okay, Mountain. good. Yep. yep. That's okay. All I needed was the first word. Then it came back. Yeah. Right. Moron okay. Mountain. All right. Glad we could. That, that was some good synergy there. We we combined <laughs> on that. One. All right. Um. Yeah, Urim Lakaj. I was. Uh, is it Urim? I never know. No, it's he's Urim. One of, I'm pretty sure. Urim. I think we've, right. we've finally gotten this down. <laughs> he's one of, one of our most loyal uh, questioners. So, so is Ted, by the way. So shout out, shout out to both of them. Um, he said uh, at, at Lakaj on Twitter, um, fire Mills slash Fizz, hire new GM Sam Presti question mark, new head coach Miller Prigioni or Hammond question mark, trade DSJ and Trio right away. I don't even know if this is a question. Boy, is Ellington yeah, Randall, yeah. if possible, after December 15th, play Frank, RJ, Knox, Dotson, Mitch, Iggy, as many men as possible. Another lottery dot, 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 space. Thoughts? Um, 
there's a lot to unpack. Um, this is this is a season worth the podcast, and I'm just gonna good. go through the whole list and just give short answers for everything because I feel yeah. like I have short answers for everything, and people probably know most of it. Fire Mills Fizz. Um, I say fire Fizzdale right away. Put an interim in there and see how that goes. I really, I, like I said, I really don't think this roster is as bad as it's played so far. So put an interim in there, see if the interim can squeeze anything else out of them. But if they are genuinely that bad, and as an organization they can't find a way to win more games, then yeah, fire Mills, and maybe also fire Perry. I mean, I don't know, maybe keep Perry around, but hire him a new Pobo, if that's the case, whatever. I mean, we'll see. Um, hire a new GM, Sam Presti, I mean, sure. Uh, but, you know, that's if you're only saying hot fire Mills, I mean, I guess you could hire Presti as your, as your Pobo and still keep... Uh, Perry around. I, I I don't know. I mean, my my move would be like do what James Dolan I think wants to do and just throw Masai Ujiri more money than anybody's ever been thrown to run a basketball team and just see if that works. I mean, if that could happen, sure, cool, let's do it. Uh, new head coach Miller. I'm assuming is Mike Miller, who's on the staff right now. Prigioni or Hammond. Um, Mike Miller. I want to be the interim coach. That's well on record. Um, I think at this point, maybe it's not super well on record on here, but I definitely want Miller to, to be the interim head coach. Uh, cause I think he did a good job with the Westchester Knicks. Pablo, I, I would love to have Pablo Prigioni, but I don't, uh, no, it's, I, I don't, I don't want to give him a, that as his first head coaching shot. Cause if he fails, I would never forgive myself for ruining him. Um, and Becky Hammond, I think actually could be really good. And that would be someone I would want to interview if Mike Miller, would prove to only be good enough to be an interim coach over the season. Uh, trade DSJ and Trier right away. Um, I don't know about that. I mean, not unless you get a decent enough return because it's literally selling them at the lowest possible point of their value right now. So I would not do that unless the right thing presented itself where you could really get a good return. Um, trade Portis, Ellington, Randall for sure after December 15th. Yeah, sure. Trade them, trade Morris too. Trade anyone who's on the one or two year deals if you want to. I don't really care about that. Um, Play Frank, RJ Knox, Dotson, Mitch, Iggy, as many minutes as possible. Obviously, yeah. Duh. Cool. Another lottery, yeah. That would be awesome. Take another lottery talent. Hopefully in the high lottery. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think um, I'm with you on everything, except I I would fire Steve Mills right away. I think it's I think he's been here long enough. We've seen enough. I mean, I, I just, he sucks. I, I don't think. It, well, here, can I just throw out a question, Alex? If, yeah. he, if he wasn't with the Knicks, would any – other organization in the NBA hire him in any basketball oh, absolutely capacity? Not, but, no, 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 absolutely not. But here's my here's my thing with I, – I, so I guess this depends on if you want to just fire Mills or if you're firing, like, Mills and Perry as a package deal because I think that in-season moves, you fire coaches in-season – because it's easy to find an interim coach already on your staff that can continue coaching the team, inject some new life into it, whatever. Firing an executive partway through the season, I think, is way more messy. Then you have, depending on who you put as the interim, like if you're if you fire both of them, like who are you going to put as your interim? You know, who else is there that's going to have the acumen to like correctly guide this team through a trade deadline? Um, put, you know, potentially up to like, like doing the scouting required to lead up to the draft, stuff like that. I mean, who, like, who then is doing that? The main thing that would worry me would be the trade deadline because then, like, 
if it's just if you fire Mills and Perry, who both had Dolan's trust to run the team the way that they want to, and then someone comes in who is more susceptible to Dolan, like, you know, directing them, um, then you might run into some Andrea Bargnani type crap, you know, by the trade deadline. And that's certainly not anything that you want to get into. Um, so that that's kind of my opinion on that. That's why, like, I say just wait. If you're going to do front office stuff, wait till the end of the season. Wait till you can minimize the damage that can be done by not having someone at the head of your organization for a while. And, like, really, like, Mills and Perry for this year anyway, the most they're going to do is maybe try to flip some of these one- and two-year guys for – or I shouldn't even say two-year guys. There's only one. It's Randall. But some of these one-year guys for, you know uh, – various little draft assets and stuff that seems to be like their MO. So um yeah, that's kind of where I stand there. Like front office moves can wait till the end of the season. That's why I, I just wouldn't do it all at once. Even if I think Steve Mills is in part culpable for all this, because I mean obviously he he was the guy who okayed everything to put the whole team together. Yeah, I just I just kinda want him out. Like I I think you could fire him without firing Perry, but I I, I hear your point for sure. All right. Uh outside of that, I mean I, I think those are, I mean, valuable questions, but all, all easy ones. I, I like, I like Sam Presti quite a bit. I, I like all the coaches that are mentioned quite a bit. So I'm, I'm with you on pretty much everything. All right. Next question comes from Ned at Ned7821. Uh, Alex, what is your uh, favorite alcoholic beverage? One you'd enjoy on a night out, not to drown your Knicks related sorrows. Important qualifier, because those are two different answers, I would say. Yeah, I mean, well, just a peek behind the curtain today to drown out my Knicks-related sorrows. They have been driving me to drink lately. I'm not even kidding. Like, I don't normally, I don't normally drink that much, but like lately, I've just been like, yeah, let me just like pop a beer because this is pretty depressing. Um, but I only have like one or two beers. It's not anything too crazy. But today, I had a uh, there's a local apple farm relatively close to me, and I went there uh, a couple weeks ago after my friend's wedding. And got like their like house made uh hard cider. So that was good. That's a good fall winter drink for me. Um so I had one of those tonight. That was my Knicks related drink. Uh I mean, I'm a big beer guy, so it really depends on the mood. Like like I could drink wine. I like a nice uh I like like a Pinot Noir, something like that. If I drink wine, you know, if I'm trying to be classy. Uh, I think beer can also be classy in today's day and age. I'm a big IPA guy. Um, trying to think, like one of my favorites is uh, uh, Long Trail Limbo IPA. It's one of my favorite IPAs. Um, it's not an IPA, but I love Rogue Dead Guy Ale. That's a favorite of mine. Um, trying to think. There's, I mean, I like. To- oh, I, actually, I'm a big sucker during the summer for summer shandy, uh, like Lining Kugels. I'm really into that. I could drink that like all day during the summer. Um, then like if we're talking hard alcohol, my go-to is usually a vodka cranberry uh, with a wedge of lime in it. I like the lime, and I squeeze the lime in there to get that lime flavor. That if I'm at like a wedding or something, like forget about it. I can drink vodka cranberries all night. Like I can put back like ten of them and be totally cool it's it's just a very good drink for me so that's yeah i'd say that's my alcohol preferences like in all necessary categories 
that was that was a good insight. Wow, you know what? I'll 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 break it down that way too. I'm really I'm really not a big drinker, so I don't think I don't know if I'm quite the same nuance. But a uh, funny story that's also uh, cider related. Uh, I went on a date tonight, and it was uh, to an improv show. And over the course, it was actually a sketch comedy show. And at the end of the show, they had this uh, quote unquote contest where. They had three people from the crowd go on stage and throw a rubber turkey at, at a set of bowling pins, and I was one of the three people uh, selected for it because I was one of the only three people to raise my hand to go on stage, and I, I won it, and they gave me a giant case of rosé cider that I'm actually I'm very excited to drink because that's that's pretty much up my alley. I like ciders a lot. I like Blue Moon. I basically like anything like... I think I think this probably is in line with me wanting a mani pedi. I, I think like anything like sweet, I'm generally into. What I had uh, this summer, I went to the um, I went to a Yankees Dodgers game in L.A. And I don't know if this is something that's based out of a local brewery in Los Angeles or it's something you can get anywhere, but this drink is called Mango Cart. It's really really good. It's like a wheat ale that's mango flavored. It's just it was delicious. So that was that was like the best alcohol, most enjoyable alcohol I've had in a long time. So that was. That was really good. All right, uh, we can we can probably keep this um, moving. Nick's life at Free Spree Five, great handle. He said, "Give me hope." Uh, probably not going to happen, but top slash ideal return for the vets. Uh, best case scenario use of cap space this summer. Um, is there a guy in the draft who can make us less horrible? Uh, Alex, uh, give give Nick's life some hope. All right. Well, so top ideal return for the vets. Marcus Morris is going to be the one that can potentially get you the most. Uh, I think maybe you could talk a contender into giving you a first-round pick for him. Um, that And, you know, you're talking probably picking the 20s at that point. Um, but, you know, some team experiences an injury or something and feels like – or just feels like he's the next piece that they need. I, I've talked about it on the pod before, but because the Knicks overpaid him, it's actually even um, – appealing to a team that's over the cap. You know, if you have a team like, I don't know if it was like, it's probably a little less likely down out they have Mellow, but like prior to the season, I was thinking like, oh, Portland could be a perfect place to potentially ship Morris to at a certain point. Um, still, maybe they could, because maybe they just still want depth. I mean, if, they, if they're if they trying to make a comeback from this, you know, slow start that they got off to. But, um, you know, if, if you find a team like that where you can get, a couple expirings back, uh, and they think that he's going to, you know, help them enough, then you should be able to get a first back because the way that his salary is, he's making $15 million for the one year, but because of the way that the salary rules work in the NBA, that means that any team that trades for him, even if they're over the cap, with what's called non-bird rights, um, can re-sign him for 105% of his previous contract for a deal – I think starting anywhere at like two years or something like that. So, you know, uh, anywhere up to 15 million plus 5%, whatever that comes out to, um, you know, a team that trades for him could resign him. And I really can't see Morris getting on the open market, even in a weak free agent class next year, anywhere near 15 million a year on a multi-year deal. So uh, that's a valuable thing to keep in mind about these trades is that even though he's on a one-year deal, doesn't necessarily mean he's useless um, as far as like exceptions go uh, for being able to be resigned. Um, so that's that's what I think is the top that you're going to be able to get. I think maybe for guys like Ellington, um, I want to hold 
Bullock, if we're being completely honest, because they have a second-year option on him for like $3.5 million, which I think is going to be a value um, for next year even. Um, but, you know, if you're talking like Bullock or Peyton, whatever, probably looking at a couple second-round picks or something, maybe like a protected first next year or down the line at some point. Um, but that would really be pushing it. Uh, the best case scenario use of cap space this summer, don't use it. That's the best case scenario. Unless you can get Anthony Davis, which is not going to happen because he's going to resign with LeBron for sure. They might even win a freaking championship this year. I mean, who knows, but he's, he's staying in LA. Other than that, it's a very weak free agent class. You got like Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, Draymond, or no, Draymond signed an extension, so he's off the market. Um, it's, it's a weak and dwindling free agent class. So don't spend the money this coming summer on anyone more than a year. Um, you know, I'd maybe even just take, pick up the second year options on some of these guys that you signed this past summer and just roll with them again and maybe finally try to develop some chemistry, uh, with a team for once rather than having 80% rollover. And then, uh, is there a guy in the drafts who can make us less horrible? Of course there is. Of course there's, it seems like a pretty good, Draft near the top. Um, I don't know exactly who I want the Knicks to take. I've, I haven't heard great things about James Wiseman overall, despite the fact that he's one of the top rated guys. Um, I heard his, his hands aren't the best and, um, his defense certainly needs some work and he's a big man. So I, I don't know if I would want another big man that can't really play defense. Um, but you got like LaMelo Ball playing in Australia who can't really shoot that well right now, but is flashing triple-double potential any given night, playing for a pro team. Um, you have Anthony Edwards, who had, like, whatever it was, like 30-something points just in the second half the other week. I mean, he's, like, a really fluid scorer and seems pretty good on defense. You have Cole Anthony uh, for North Carolina, who's scoring at a pretty high clip, even if his percentages leave a little bit to be desired. Um, and that's just, like, really, really rough preliminary work that I've seen. But of course, there's there's always one or two prospects in the draft that at minimum that can like change your franchise's fortunes for the better. And hopefully the Knicks have one already in RJ Barrett that'll continue to grow this year and into next year and then they can draft another one this coming summer that'll hopefully finally start to actually get the fortunes going a different direction. Yeah, I think uh, the only thing I need to really add to there is, is the draft section of it. Um, I, w- I wouldn't mind Cole Anthony. I want to see more of him. He's handling like a ridiculous load a- at North Carolina right now, and I almost think it's not allowing him to show off the best parts of his game. But he- he's a more talented passer than we've seen so far, and a guy that I think if you're just sort of looking for a fulcrum, to put together everything the Knicks have, he would be a really good option. Uh, positionally, if you just wanted someone to slot in who is really ideal, the, the one spot where the Knicks um, sort of nominally, I, I guess power forward and, and two guard, where they don't really have their guys for the future, depending uh, on your long-term opinion on Frank Nilekina, I, I think if you have sort of a ball dominant two next to him, that that's sort of sort of the perfect counterbalance to what he brings to the table. And someone like Anthony Edwards would be perfect. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to to broadcast uh, two of his games a year ago in his final season in high school, and he's just, I mean, one of the better athletes I've personally ever seen coming out of the high school level, and even including college guys, just one of the better athletes I've ever seen, period. He, he's a freak, and he just, just turned 18. He's already scored 30-plus in, in a couple of college games. So I'm really encouraged about him. If the Knicks end up with, with a top three to four pick, I think it's going to be 
pretty hard to go wrong, and, and they're currently on a trajectory of locking up a guaranteed top four spot or top five spot, rather. So they, they have a pretty good shot at getting that. E- even someone like LaMelo Ball, um, for all of his inefficiencies in Australia, his his sheer instincts um, make me think he's going to be a pretty good player. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of Lonzo, despite his struggle shooting. He's already pretty far ahead of where Lonzo was coming out of school in, in terms of his shot mechanics and his overall offensive game and scoring prowess. So I, I'd be I'd be pretty content with any of the top four guys, and I think the Knicks are are genuinely in position, even though this isn't considered a great draft, especially relative to the last few, uh, to end up with a really good player as long as they get a top four pick. You know, it's really funny about those drafts that aren't considered quote unquote great drafts. A lot of times they end up being great drafts. Like I can remember a time when, like last year's draft, a couple years back, was being looked at as oh this isn't this isn't necessarily going to be a strong draft class. And then all of a sudden you have Trey Young pop off during the season. Luca was always viewed as going to, you know, being one of the top guys, but he cemented himself Bagley reclassified and entered that, entered that draft class instead of this draft class. And then you had like Aiton showed himself to be, you know, as good of a player as he is and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's, there's always, 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 I mean, with very rare exceptions, there's always going to be at least a couple gems near the top of every draft. And it's just, it's just your team's job to find who they actually are. Um, and, and if there's one thing the Knicks, I think have been pretty decent at it scouting so far. So, you know, if, if the current front office stays intact, or even if they don't, and some of the scouting staff stays intact, uh, to guide whatever new front office, I feel pretty good about the Knicks being able to find. Cause I mean, they're, their drafting prowess has transcended like four different regimes now at this point. So I really, I, I have pretty good faith in the Knicks to make a good selection there. Uh, Gavin, I think we could probably, we should probably wrap up this first episode and then we can come back with our second one. And I think this is going to turn into a three parter if I'm, if I'm guessing here. So let's uh, wrap up this episode. We will be back tomorrow for a weekend edition and then we'll probably save the third part for Monday and maybe just skip doing a game recap from Saturday's game altogether. But we'll see how that all goes. Uh, but we will be back with another edition of Locked on Knicks in your ear holes tomorrow. Bye.